What is going on, people of the internet and podcasting and whatever? Hello, hello again. Yes, my name is Ivan Pigioni, and this is another episode of In Melbourne Last Week. I've already released three episodes which have received very positive reviews, so thank you very much for listening and thank you very much for uh, commenting and as well. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and now Stitcher. If some podcasts leave you in stitches, oh boy, terrible, be sure to subscribe on Stitcher. My guest for this week is actually my uh, co-host of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, the Seinfeld podcast that I do, uh, Stephen Tilbury. Uh, He's a podcaster and he's also a cycling enthusiast and uh, he follows a vegan lifestyle. So he told me about veganism, you know, debunked a few myths that people may have about veganism and uh, I learned quite a bit about it. Uh, It it turns out there's different grades of veganism, so it's not all uh, black and white as they say. And uh, he told me a bit about his passion for cycling as well. So it's a bit of a longer than usual interview, but it's very riveting and I really enjoyed speaking to him so uh, enjoy the episode and uh, here he is Stephen Tilbury give it up for him I'm with Stephen Tilbury, my man from Bidwabask. Uh, you've probably heard his voice before many times. Probably, geez, we've done so many episodes, I've lost count, man. Yeah, uh, it's been a, a wild ride. Yeah. It's been a, uh, uh, an unexpected ride, I must uh, say. Yeah, unexpected. And, you know, this is now like my second podcast, and it's a conversation podcast. And this is, uh, you know, we're a few episodes in, and, uh, yeah, I'm really having a good time. And I'm glad that it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because you're like, usually you're with me in the studio and we're doing the podcast, but you're like the guest you know what I mean? So it's just it's it's like a different dynamic. Yeah, usually we're talking at each other. Yeah, um, and it's a pretty established dynamic. I do certain parts of the podcast, and you do certain parts, and it it runs pretty smoothly. But this is a bit a bit different. Yeah, yeah, a bit different. And uh, you are, as as people probably already know by now, Stephen, you are a podcaster with me. Um, you enjoy cycling. I, I'd say you're probably a hobbyist, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of your if, hobbies. Yeah, a hobbyist. Somewhere between a hobbyist and an enthusiast. An enthusiast, okay. So pretty, something in the middle. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, I don't do it professionally or for money or I'm not a part of any clubs. It's more of a social and individual thing for me. Yeah, fair enough. And um, you are uh, also, you do follow a, a vegan lifestyle, which uh, you've mentioned a few times on our, uh, on Bidwabask. Um, so yeah, so we'll talk a bit about veganism. Like there's just some things that I want to talk about, you know, trying to educate the listener, you know, because... I'm sure they probably have like misconceptions and that sort of thing, so I kind of want to, you know, you know, clear the air and uh, and try and get your opinion on a few things and also a bit about uh, a bit about cycling a bit later on. Sure, sounds yeah. good. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, this you know, it's like I said, I've done a few episodes already, and I'm still trying to get my you know, the hang of like the whole conversation thing. So, it's been uh, it's been pretty good so far. Um, so, Steve, uh, you know, there's many different conceptions about veganism. You know, like some people are really critical of your lifestyle. Others, you know, might have some preconceived ideas about it. Uh, some others just may be confused about the lifestyle. You know, there's probably, like many listeners are listening now, probably thinking, you know, what's the situation with veganism? You know, so I guess in a nutshell, I guess coming from a vegan yourself, um, I mean, in a nutshell, what is veganism? Like, what does the lifestyle entail? Uh, Well, fundamentally, it's doing the best you can to avoid consuming uh, or buying 
uh, anything that comes from an animal. Okay, yeah. So that's uh, including things you wear, right? Uh, yeah, some people do that. Some some don't. There, there's not one set of rules or principles. Uh, like any set of beliefs or lifestyle, there are people who take it to really, really full-on levels, and there are people who are a bit more relaxed about it. But ultimately, it, most of it is diet. Yeah. Uh, so you don't, no meat. Basically, it's a vegetarian diet, which is no flesh, uh, plus dairy and cheese and a few other bits and pieces like honey and stuff that comes from animals. Yeah. So where do you sit uh, on the spectrum? Uh, I would say that I'm a moderate vegan. Okay. Uh, if, I mean, again, there's no official spectrum or scale or level. Um, it's an individual thing. But I guess if I had to put myself somewhere, it would be a moderate vegan. Um, okay. I'm not. I'm not super flexible when it comes to things. If something doesn't meet my dietary choices i won't eat it i'm not flippant about it um but at the same time if i accidentally ate something with honey or milk in it i'm, I'm pretty good at checking i wouldn't you know I'd, I'd, it would just be a reminder to myself to be a bit more um careful i guess yeah you're not um, going to like spontaneously combust or anything no no <laughs> once it's once it's done it's done yeah. you know i can't I can't change the past and I'm not going to feel guilty because that doesn't do anyone good. But, yeah. uh, I mean, that's for food, but for other things like leather, um, and even some things with rubber, obviously some things like cycling, the tires are rubber. I can't avoid that. <laughs> you can't live a truly vegan lifestyle. Otherwise you'd just sit in a room and not do anything ever. Oh boy. That you, sounds like my dream. <laughs> just sitting yeah. like doing podcasts all day. That's like my dream, <laughs> my dream job <laughs> sitting yes. in a room all day. Be fabulous. This is a vegan podcast. <laughs> nice. We, yeah. Just, yeah, we just eat air. Yeah, that's right. Well, air's got bacteria in it, so technically. Technically, you're <laughs> killing all those animals. You must. I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, just to give you an example of the difference between, say, how I live it and, say, other people, I don't have much of a problem with secondhand leather. If I went to, say, an op shop or somewhere where secondhand goods are for sale and I found a pair of boots or a belt or something that I really liked yeah. and it was leather, yeah. I wouldn't have any problem buying it. Okay. Whereas some some vegans might because you're still wearing the, the you know, something that's come from an animal. But right. my point of view is more about minimizing uh, my contribution to industries that, that, you know, rely on animals to make their products, food or clothes or whatever it is. So yeah. the belt belt's already made. So if I buy that belt, I'm not contributing money to an industry. It's it's already made. Cool. Whereas if I buy a new belt, that's money going towards an industry to make stuff. That's how I reason it. Like I've got some leather things. I have a, I wear a leather belt. I've got leather boots. And some of that stuff I bought new before I went vegan. Yeah. But I haven't tossed it out because, again, I don't feel like I'm contributing money to new things being made. Okay, so how long have you been vegan for? Uh, about three years, I think. Okay, yep. Yeah, so, I can't remember exactly. I think it was the end of either the end of 2014 or the start of 2015, so just over three years. Ah, fair enough. So can I start calling you Megan, you know, because you're a moderate vegan? <laughs> Megan Stephen. Well, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's all, there's all different category names for people who eat this but don't eat that. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure someone has made up that cat category already. Yeah, nice. <laughs> oh, you know in The Simpsons how they have, you know there's the guy who's a level five vegan. He doesn't eat yeah. anything that casts a shadow. Do you reckon? Yeah. Is there anyone <laughs> like that in real life? 
Not that I've experienced. I don't think so. I don't think it would be. I mean, there are fruitarians. There are only people who eat fruit and vegetables. Oh, nice. Um, you know, but most fruit and vegetables go grow on trees or above ground. Yeah. So really, the only thing that you could eat that doesn't cast a shadow would be root vegetables, That's and right. I don't think you would, I don't think you would be alive for very long. Yeah, I was going to say. I think you so, you know you can only stomach a certain amount of carrots and potatoes. So, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I just like in that episode how he gives Lisa a hard time for not pocket mulching. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't pocket mulch. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa's trying to impress him because she mulches at home. Yeah, yeah. And he sort of he gives her credit for that, but then he also gives her a hard time for not pocket mulching. And then he pulls out this mulch out of his pocket, and he's really concerned that she's not pocket mulching. Oh man. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> That's good, and you are quite a Simpsons fan as well. As, uh, as, as you mentioned many times, because I've known you outside of the podcast as well for a while, and uh, yeah, no, you've uh, you always try and get a Simpsons reference in when you can. I think so. I think that just applies to my everyday life as well. You know, if, if someone says something or if there's something happening, you know, in any given moment that is relatable to the Simpsons, I usually try and crowbar it into the conversation I'm having with whoever at the time. So your life's just a Simpsons episode, basically. Uh, I, well, it's not. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to make it that. I was going to say, you've got like the yellow hair, so you're looking, uh, <laughs> That's you're, true. You're looking a bit yeah. like Bart at the moment. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I could grow it a bit longer and spike it up. Yeah. yeah. I, I bleached my hair twice over the last few months, and the first time every single person said, hey, Eminem, and it's just... <laughs> After the twenty seventh time, it's hard not to roll your eyes and sort of make them make them feel okay about the joke that they think they're the first person to make. Yeah, you know. But after about, you know, you just go, yeah. <laughs> nice. Have, have you written enough letters to Eminem? Like, you know, you write one and then you sing a verse and then you write yeah. another one. You're like Stan. Can I call you yeah. Stan? Stan, yeah. Megan, Stephen. Dear Slim. You know, blah 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 blah. And when he doesn't respond to me, I do something crazy. Dear Slim, why don't you go and pocket mulch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Living the dream. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, nice. So, Stephen, just right. g- going back to veganism, mate. So, um, yeah. I, I read an article from uh, um, Observer, some kind of website um, or a website. Mm. Uh, it's a 2016 article, and they mentioned um, some assumptions about non-vegans. Oh, sorry, that non-vegans have about vegans. And, you know, these are probably, yeah. you've probably heard these misconceptions dozens of times. So what I'll yeah. do is I'll read them out one by one to you and you can probably just, I guess, bust the myth, you know, and tell me, like, how do you, how would you go about it, you know? Like, yeah. you can you can dispel the myth. Go for it, yeah. All right, cool. The first one on the article, uh, vegans just eat salad. Uh, completely untrue. Yeah. The best way, the best answer I've ever come up with to answer the question that people say ask a lot which is so what do you actually eat sometimes it's asked in a very patronizing way sometimes it's asked in a curious way yeah you know what do you actually eat the best way that i can answer it is just say imagine every single food that there is including meat like every single food that people on the planet eat yeah take take away you know most well meats dairy and you know, most of the food on the planet still exists when you take away those food groups. I eat all of that. Cool. Was it, you, you know you're a massive peanut butter fan as well. I am. Yeah. <laughs> you love your peanut yeah. butter. Yeah, but the idea that uh, vegans just eat salad is a bit is a bit dumb because yeah. you know there's there's so much food just inherently that is vegan, whether you, whether it's part of a recipe or just you know in its raw form, so to speak. Um, yeah, most food is inherently vegan, so I eat most food that exists. Nice. Yeah. 
But I do eat a lot of salads because I like I like salads and they're healthy and they're delicious. Yeah, salads are pretty fantastic. I mean, yeah. look, some of the salads that I like, I admit, you probably can't eat. You know, there's cheese and stuff in it, but uh, yeah. you know, that yeah. salad's pretty good overall. Salads, unless it's like an established classic salad, like a Greek salad or something, most salads are just made up on the spot. People just sort of chuck in whatever they've got. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to make a good salad without cheese or you know ham or whatever whatever else you want to put in it. Or without lettuce, it's just it's good. Yeah, salad without lettuce. It's got to have some greens, though. Oh, it does, yeah. Otherwise, what is it? I feel like a salad is not a salad unless it has some leaves. Yeah, so it's got to have some something from the ground. Yeah, as long as they don't cast a shadow. <laughs> That's it. Level <laughs> yeah. five, veganism, coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try and make a level five salad. Just different just different root vegetables. Oh, Actually, didn't you eat that once when we went for a Seinfeld trivia? You, you <laughs> ate root vegetables? Yeah, I think I think um, yeah, it was the one that we went to in uh, January with Stacy, yeah, who's a guest, yeah, who's a guest no. podcast sometimes. Yeah, um, I think the only thing I could eat were chips. That's 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 if ever I go out and I'm unsure of what they have available, I'll yeah. always know they have chips. That's you know that's that's universal at every pub or most restaurants. Um, but yeah, I just ate a plate of root vegetables, yeah. which to me is just chips, but a, a bit different. Yeah. You know, mm. that looked pretty good though. <laughs> Yeah, they were delicious. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I enjoyed my burger. Well, actually, I had a falafel burger, vegetarian. So uh, you know, that's true. Was one, yeah. one step behind you. Yeah, <laughs> got to start somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so, I'm slowly corrupting you. Yeah, slowly. Yeah, oh, pretty. Jeez, it's, it's going to be fun. My, my whole pantry is just going to be empty with, you know, just it's just have vegan stuff in it. That's all it's going to have. Just salads. Salads. Yeah. <laughs> well, just it's got to have greens. Just at least. Just don't think. Just things that don't cast shadows. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Better start growing. Um, yeah. So the second misconception: uh, vegans must miss dairy and meat. Why else would they eat those weird substitutes? Um, look, that's fairly common in my experience. That's the one thing that I miss the most is cheese because I love, I love, you know, when I ate cheese, I loved it, oh, yeah. and I, st- I still crave it. Um, and also, in my experience, I've found people who, you know, uh, break quote-unquote break veganism or stop being a vegan most of the time they're undoing is cheese uh you know they'll go from veganism back to vegetarianism or whatever mm-hmm. yep. um most of the time their their undoing will be cheese or some sort of dairy ah uh, i know just cheese like i mean coming from an italian background i'm sure i've mentioned this before but you know yeah. i'm of italian background and um yeah no cheese is just it's life you know you put it on pasta and you eat it with bread and yeah, you know, it's, it's inescapable Especially yeah, I mean, my, cheese is so inherent yeah. in so many cultures, including Italian mm. food. Um, it's pretty pretty hard to to separate them. Yeah. Um, mm. But the weird substitutes, just on that, they are getting better. So it is easier to find things that taste like whatever they're trying to imitate. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I miss cheese, and sometimes I think about cheese, and sometimes I think oh, I just want a bit of cheese, but. When you believe in something, when you have a passion for something, that desire is soon overcome with, you know, reminding yourself why you're doing something, whatever it is. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to overcome that that desire or that that craving by just reminding myself, hang on, I'm doing this for a reason or for a set of reasons, and then it kind of just goes away. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then you go so, back to eating your root and vegetables. Yeah. And then I go back to being a smug jerk. <laughs> smug jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't smug. I mean, yep. you ain't a jerk. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> so the third misconception, according to uh, Observer, uh, vegans yep. can't get enough calcium without dairy. What's that? Uh, I don't think that's true. Um, I don't know much about 
calcium intake, um, uh, you know, as opposed to protein intake, because protein seems to be the biggest argument against veganism, dietary-wise. Yeah. Um, but most most dietitians, you know, or food experts will say that if you eat a good balanced diet as a vegan, if you sort of eat a bit of everything um, and not just a lot of a few things, you'll get most of the basic nutrients and vitamins that you need, including calcium. Yep. Um, and the myth that calcium, uh, that dairy is the highest form of calcium, uh, sorry, the idea that the highest form of delivery to your body of calcium is dairy is untrue as well. It's a, it's a myth propagated by the dairy industry. I was going to say, that's something that's, you know, the, the, I've heard it's a myth too. Like I've heard that, yeah. the, you know, the corporations say that to get people yeah. to drink more milk. It's like each yeah. glass has 30% of your recommended calcium intake. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Glass and that's not to say that milk or dairy doesn't have high amounts of calcium. But it's not like without that you can't get calcium from other places. No, there's plenty of other places you can get calcium. Exactly. Mm. So, you know, I've seen I've seen vegans severely lacking in iron or calcium or any sort of sort of essential nutrient. But that's because they eat badly. They eat they eat terribly even as a vegan. They eat like children. They don't eat a good, healthy, balanced diet. Yeah. Even as a vegan. So, yeah, I, it's true in the case where people don't intentionally try and make up for calcium intake. But if you just read up, read up a bit and talk to a few people who might be vegans, it's pretty easy to, to overcome. Same with iron. You know, The idea that meat is the highest form of iron is untrue. Yeah. So yeah. I guess to, you know, to, to be involved in the vegan diet, you really have to plan your meals. Like you've got to, like, would you have to consult a nutritionist who might specialize in veganism or you've, do you have to speak to someone who's like yourself, who's a vegan to really get in, um, get, get the right diet? Cause you really have to get this right. Don't you? In order to, in order to have a balanced diet. Yeah. I think, I think that's subjective. Like some people naturally have lower, have less of an ability to, to retain certain nutrients and vitamins and if people you know know that about themselves then yeah it's probably a good idea to see a nutritionist or at least talk to a really experienced vegan or do a lot of research whatever but i'm lucky in that i've never you know i get blood tests regularly um, and i've never even when i was eating meat and seafood and stuff i've never had high or low amounts of any particular mineral like my body's pretty good like that yeah and that hasn't been a problem when i've transferred to uh, sorry, transition to veganism. Mm-hmm. I've never noticed a lack of this or, or a surplus of that. Mm-hmm. So from my own experience, I've just sort of, you know, I eat everything and I eat pretty well. Yeah. So I get some of everything. Um, but yeah, if you if you have any problems before you go vegan um, or if you just want to stick, if you're training, if you're an athlete training and you need certain things in higher quantities than others, yeah, see a nutritionist or yeah. dietitian or Actually, see a dietitian over a nutritionist because nutritionists don't need certifications. Oh, I so can, anyone can be a nutritionist. Yeah, and that's not. And don't get me wrong; that's not to say that there aren't a lot of really good nutritionists out there who know their stuff and you know are passionate about helping people eat better and live better. But the problem with nutrition uh, nutritionists as a as a title is that there's no certifying body in Australia. Ah. So, you know, if you are seeing a nutritionist as opposed to a dietitian or some sort of food expert or whatever, just, you know, make sure that they're qualified in some way because anyone can go. I've seen people on Instagram who take really nice pictures of food yeah. and probably know a lot about food. They say, I am a nutritionist. And it's like, well, technically you are because you gave yourself that title, but 
uh, you know, it's, I don't know, to me that's too loose and it's a bit dangerous. I guess I could walk into Macca's and get a Big Mac meal, take a photo of it and put it on Instagram and say, I'm a nutritionist. As long as it's a nice looking photo, people would probably <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can get nice food at Mac. It's you know, it doesn't look like what it is on the posters or the uh, on the TV commercials. Well, just, just just use their um their menu photos. They look pretty nice. Oh, they do. Know? Yeah, they. I've heard stories about how they do it. Uh, it's for another yeah. time, but yeah, they yeah yeah, yeah, they, yeah they have like a devious way of you know stacking the vegetables and the condiments and stuff to make it look yeah. pretty. Yeah, most most of the time, things on ads don't look like what you eventually buy, whether it's Maccas or anything else. <laughs> there's, there's always a gap. Rarely do you buy anything that looks. You know, unless it's like plastic or something. Yeah, this is the Mick beef. How come there's chicken in it? <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> yeah, there's a little asterisk and a and a sub and a like a, a footnote saying you know Mick beef doesn't impl- doesn't suggest that there's beef in it. It's no. just the name. They contain traces of beef. <laughs> <laughs> they contain traces of circus animals. Oh, <laughs> another flaw. Yeah, but sorry to answer your question a bit more. I think it comes down to an individual thing. If you don't know anything about food, if you just eat whatever and don't think about it and you're relatively healthy and you get some exercise, but you want to be a vegan, I would recommend doing some research. Yeah. Whether that's some reading, talk to vegans, you know, the more you know in any situation, whether it's veganism or whatever, the, the better off you'll be. Okay. So I, I didn't have to do much because I already knew quite a bit about food anyway because I like food, I like cooking, I like eating um, but, you know, and, and that was based on my knowledge of my own body and its ability to retain this and have a pretty good balance of nutrients anyway. But if you're concerned, always talk to someone. Yeah. And if you, if you really want to do it properly, quote unquote properly, um, or with as much consideration as possible, yeah, book a, book a, book an appointment with a dietitian Great you know, advice. Or, or, or a really good certified or at least qualified nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So not, not, not just an instant nutritionist. Yeah, exactly. A nutrition grammist. Yeah, a nutrition grammist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Steve, there's just two more misconceptions. So, there's five on yep. here. So, the, the the second last one, eating vegan is expensive. Uh, I would say, in my experience, that's untrue. All right. Cool. Um, for, again, it's, it's you know, there's no one-size-fits-all answer for that question or, for you know, to, to sort of um, debunk that myth. But... I, in my experience, because I cook a lot of my own food anyway, yeah. you know, meat is, you know, if I went to Coles every day, I would say that meat is probably the most expensive thing per kilo that you buy a lot of. Mm. Yeah, especially are, some are, cuts of meat these days. It's ridiculous. Exactly. I mean, there are there are things that are more per kilo than meat, mm. but you probably buy them by half kilo or kilo. You know, yeah. like some macadamia nuts, for example. Even if you money wasn't an issue you wouldn't buy a kilo of macadamia nuts every week, but you would probably buy a kilo of meat or chicken or, you know, whatever you eat. Um, I don't think it's any more expensive or any less expensive. There's yeah. been, I've, I've read a lot of studies and articles suggesting that if you cook, if you eat, uh, sorry, if you buy and cook the majority of your own food, it's probably the same or a bit less. Um, but if you eat out a lot, if you, you know, eat, more food that's made for you rather than made by you it's yeah. probably going to be a bit more expensive of course yeah because i mean yeah. you know if you, if you make like rice with some kind of tofu or whatever you know it'd probably cost you a few bucks you know to make yeah. that meal whereas if you went out and bought it it'd probably be what 15 20 bucks yeah i guess so. yeah yeah i mean think maybe think about it in terms of comparing the average weekly shop 
of someone who eats meat to say someone like me, you know, if most, you know, most people who eat most things, whether they're vegans or, or not, you know, they would, they would still buy a lot of the same things, fruit, veggies, yeah. steaks like rice and beans and, and, you know, herbs and spices and whatever else. Again, you, if you replaced all the meat they bought per kilo with tofu and more beans and pulses, it's probably going to be a bit cheaper because yeah. tofu per kilo is more expensive than than beef or whatever. Mm. That's the thing. So, I mean, because meat meat's currently or you know meat's been consumed for thousands, if not millions, of years, you know, by human beings, and it's woven yeah. within the fabric of society. So, uh, I mean, yeah. it'd be a bit tricky to to get someone to go cold turkey, so to speak. <laughs> no no yeah. pun intended on meat. But I think but, it's been yeah. cold turkey. What's that? Cold tofurkey. Cold tofurkey. What's tofurkey like here, man? Is that, uh, is that a real thing? I think I've had it once. Yeah. I don't really like a lot of vegan things that. I think I've explained this to you. Like, what I've found mm. is that vegan things that are trying to be meat, that are trying to copy the texture and the flavor and the look, yeah. tend to taste pretty awful. <laughs> um, especially, especially to a meat eater. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's like a it's like a bad imitation. Um, but things that are just trying to not replace but just sort of be an alternative tend to be a bit nicer. Yeah. Um, so tofurkey is one of those things where it's trying to be like t- uh, turkey, texture-wise, flavor-wise, look-wise. Yeah. And it's pretty gross. For me, personally, I just... doesn't it, work. It didn't didn't work for me. But, you know, uh, it's... it's I've heard of, like, uh, vegan Thanksgiving dinners where they've used a tofurkey instead of a turkey. Yeah. So that's nice, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, times are changing. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And, and, and a nice segue, speaking of turkey, um, the final <laughs> misconception, vegans yeah. can't get enough protein. Trash. 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 You have enough protein shakes? No? Yeah. Yeah? Is that no. Mike, how do you get your protein then? Uh, well, there's more protein in spinach than there is in most meat. Ah, Popeye the Sailor Man. Oh, shit. Oh, so, man, man, man. Yeah. Um, there's more protein in most vegetables and most pulses and beans than there is all, all the same as meat. Okay. Um, again, it's, it's not – if you eat badly as a vegan, if you don't eat good, healthy food, if you just eat a lot of junk food or food that is lacking in protein – and you don't eat meat, then, yeah, you'll probably have a protein deficiency. Yeah. But if you don't eat meat but you eat a lot of other foods as a vegan that uh, have a moderate or high amount of protein, you'll get all the protein you need. It's been – it's been I don't want to say proven, but it's been a lot, of, a lot of research and studies show that the only thing that a vegan can't get from a vegan diet is, is meat. Is meat. That's, <laughs> that's that's okay. The only two things <laughs> is meat. Well, technically, it's not part of a vegan diet, meat. So I was just, True. I was just being facetious. No, no, that's that's a technicality. <laughs> I can't argue with that. <laughs> and the only other thing is um, vitamin B twelve, ah, which yeah. comes which comes from a lot of animal products, and it's a complex vitamin. Um, you can get a similar vitamin from uh, mushrooms and mangoes. And mango. <laughs> <laughs> like the Seinfeld episode we did, the mango. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. weeks ago. Ooh, it's like a B12 shot. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the only um, – you can eat – you can get the same amount of vitamin B12 from mushrooms. Right. But you have to eat – like the the, the the amount of mushrooms you have to eat for the amount of vitamin B12 that you get, say, from a piece of steak is like two kilos or something. Yeah. 
and no one's going to sit down and eat two kilos of mushrooms. Mm, you never know. If they're magic. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't think they'd be having a good time after two kg of magic mushrooms. So I guess, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you would. But you wouldn't know where you, you are. Get, you can get, um, you know, like any supplement, you can get vitamin B12 supplements pretty easily. Uh, yeah, cool. So yeah. I guess, you know, I, I guess overall, you know, I guess you can get your nutrients, like, you know, despite the fact you can get it from meat and dairy and all that kind of thing, you can get all those essential nutrients basically through a vegan diet. Yeah, I mean... You know, that's just not from my own personal claims or friends or people I've known who are vegans. You go to any dietitian, you go to any like government website about food, nutrition, whatever, they will all say that it's easy to get a full nutritional profile. That's that's excluding if you have a natural if you naturally have a hard ability to get a certain you know, that's just on average for someone who retains most nutrients well. Yeah. You can you can easily have a vegan diet through all stages of life. You can you know, there are parents who have their babies and toddlers on vegan diets. They do it very, very meticulously. Yeah. But it's possible, you know, for, for kids all the way through to, to old people. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the myth that you can't get all you need is a bit is a bit bogus. So say someone who's got, for example, anemia, you know, yep. and they're required yep. to eat, you know, red meat, you know, to kind yep. of build up their eye. And okay, could, I guess it, that would be an exception, I guess, to the rule. I mean, they probably couldn't. I mean, if you have a condition like that, you probably couldn't follow the vegan diet per se, could you? Um, I don't. Well, I guess, I, yeah, I mean, straight away it would be harder. Yeah. You would have to be more, uh, deliberate in eating things that are higher in iron yeah. and also eating higher amounts of food that I think it's vitamin C that increases your ability to uh, retain iron out yeah. of food. Yeah. So if you eat a lot of iron but not much vitamin C, most of the iron's just going through you, so you have to supplement a lot of things as well. Sure, but but yeah, if you have anemia, uh, and is that what it's called, anemia? Anemia, yeah. yeah, 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 and you you lack iron. If you really want to be a vegan, you know, it's maybe worth you know. And I'm not a dietitian, no, or a medic. So this, is, this isn't professional advice. This, yeah, this, this is, is just, not. You're, I'm this not your, to do this. I'm just yeah. sort of. This is your anecdote. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anecdotally, I think maybe you could consult a doctor or again a dietitian to see if you can get your iron in some other ways from meat yeah. and if you try that and you're still not maintaining iron levels then yeah i guess it would be harder yeah. but i don't think it's a case of i find it harder to get iron so therefore i have to eat meat i think there is a you know there is a few things you can explore first yeah and it might work and if you t just take iron supplements or just eat a shitload of food that are that is high in iron that is not meat maybe that will be enough but if it isn't you know i'd rather someone eat heaps of meat and yeah. be healthy yeah. and then, you know, live a lifestyle that I think is good and be sick all the time. Like that's, you know, yeah. like at, at the end of the day, you know, people need to be healthy and fit yeah. regardless of what they eat. Yeah. So, yeah. Regardless. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I guess it's horses for courses, so to speak. And uh, yeah, I guess it depends <laughs> on the individual. Yeah. Yeah. So, Stephen, I guess you've probably seen in the news, like earlier this year, a group of vegan activists uh, stormed a Melbourne CBD steakhouse, um, yep. and they protested against the consumption of meat as well as, um, you know, they were they were protesting for the welfare of animals as well, yep. uh, and, and you know, in front of paying customers and guests. Um, uh, look, from what I from what I can surmise, that is quite an aggressive way, I guess, of promoting the message. Um, and is there anything like you know, say? for the average consumer is there like a more passive or informative way of bringing the message across or to maybe at least because for me personally i don't think i'd ever go vegan to be honest with you like i don't think i could 
I could. I don't think I could have this, you know, the strength to do it. <laughs> you know, I, I got to give up so much, and plus, especially growing up from my background, I've got to give up a lot of stuff, which I've grown up enjoying. So it's, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm quite comfortable when it comes to that kind of food. But is there any kind of way, like passively, which the message can come across to the average consumer, or at least maybe to someone like me, an omnivore, who might think about maybe at least reducing my intake of meat and other animal products? Like, is there like a more you know, less in your face kind of way of doing it? Uh, I think the best way to promote any belief, you know, whether it be veganism or whatever someone feels passionate about, is just talking to people like a human, just having a one-on-one conversation or, yeah. you know, a conversation in a group context, whatever. But most of the time in, in my life, when, when, you know, I've the, the only time I've ever, and I'm a pretty stubborn person, I'm pretty opinionated, as you know. <laughs> I know. But, you know I, I'm always <laughs> open to talking to people from other backgrounds or with different opinions i would never shut down a conversation even if even if i think that their opinion is utterly wrong i'll still have a chat to them and listen to them as best as i can yeah uh so anytime i've ever been convinced of another point of view or open to talking is when you know people just have a have a you know a level calm rational conversation you know like you and i are doing now i i strongly believe in veganism it's not something you care about that we can still coexist and have a have a conversation about it. Yeah, you're not yelling down the microphone saying, give up me, damn you. No, no. no. Yeah, um, you're doing all right. So, <laughs> yeah, so I think for me personally, yelling at people is only going to drive them away. And yeah. it's only going to reinforce that belief of like they're all just like militant, you know, crazy assholes. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot, but most people aren't, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, I think, yeah, just just conversations and just you know maybe talking to people, linking people to articles, you know, sort of nudging. I think is always more effective than just running into a steak restaurant and yelling at people because yeah. they're doing what you think they should do. Like I guarantee that none of those people in that restaurant, aside from feeling affronted and insulted and probably scared in some cases. Mm, yeah, because you never know. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows is amongst the crowd. Yeah, none yeah. of those people would go home thinking, yeah, you're right, that person who yelled at me while I was eating my food has has changed my my point of view. I'm gonna give up meat from tomorrow. Guarantee none of them would. Yeah. But if I if I was outside that restaurant and I was just trying to spark up a conversation without being too invasive, just handing out flyers or whatever after they eat, you know, I might still be fobbed off as just like go away. Yeah. But it's more of a chance I'd be reaching people on a on a human level and trying to convince them or at least you know, talk to them about it if I just have a calm, rational conversation. And that's the way it should be, you know, especially in these, div- you know, divisive times. You know, a lot of people yeah. are yelling at each other and calling each other names, you know. It's just, we got to just find common ground and, you know, yeah. find, a, find a resolution to this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm all about results and effectiveness. Um, and I, like, on some level, I get the passion that they have. Like, they, they see the world around them and they feel frustrated and upset and they, you know, it's hard for them to sort of take the emotion out of that point of view. Yeah. And they act on that emotion through anger and frustration. Like I share their motivation to, for, you know, for, for what they're doing, but in terms of effectiveness or potential reach, it's, it's zero. There's, there's no, I've never been yelled at by anyone. Yeah. If I'm like, for example, I'm an atheist. I I don't really subscribe to any religion. I don't understand religion. It's just yeah. not something that I care about. 
But if a person came up to me or knocked on my door and had a chat to me about whatever they believe in, I might, in my head, I might think, well, I think you're silly or whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to be convinced, but I'll at least have a chat to them. Whereas if someone just came up to me and said, if you don't believe X religion here, you're a Y person, you know, automatically I'm going to get defensive and tell them to go away. Yeah. Or so, other, other expletives. <laughs> yeah. I probably, you know, I try and be calm, but there would be a part of me that would want to be, you know, aggressive back in a defensive way. Of course. Which is part of human yeah. nature, you know, you're just defending yourself. Yeah. And people people automatically sort of batten down the hatches and, and, and find security in their own beliefs when they feel they're under threat through aggression. So if you're, if you're a meat eater and someone's saying that you're less than me because you eat meat yeah. and I don't yeah. in an aggressive way, people people automatically retreat into themselves. You know, they go, hang on a minute, I don't like being attacked. So I'm going to eat fucking more meat or whatever. Sorry yeah. for swearing. Oh, this is a G-rated show. It's not like Google Bask. <laughs> is, this, is this a family podcast? I don't know. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's okay. all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think to to answer your question in a bit more of a succinct way, just conversations and talking to people like humans, first of all. Yeah, good. Um, and with respect. Um, but saying that, like, you've got to be, you know, I think you've got to be forthright and be genuine as well, and not, but not forceful. You've just got to be, you know... Um, just stick up for what you believe in, but in a not aggressive way. And also just leading through example or promoting through example, like, you know, talking about it with the people around you, even if, you know, so I just, yeah, I think passivity is more effective than aggression in any, in anything, including veganism. You attract more flies with honey than vinegar, right? Perfect. Yeah. That's yep. it. You got to be nice that's, and sweet. Golden syrup. Golden syrup, yeah. Well, what, what, <laughs> whatever you can eat, Megan. <laughs> maple, maple syrup. <laughs> yeah, whatever, Megan. Whatever you yeah. can eat. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, Stephen. Yeah. So, Steve, um, so over the, I guess, the last decade or so, there's been a changing attitudes, I guess, towards, you know, for consumers towards where their food comes from, you know. So there's been a uh, boom in the popularity of like farmers markets, artisan traders, you know, that sort of thing. There's been a growing opposition to things like factory farming, you know, yep. purchasing animal-based products at a supermarket, you know, mass-produced yep. goods. Uh, and also the treatment of animals, you know, particularly in the farms and the mass, the factory farms and stuff. You know, a lot of people have really, you know, through recent documentaries that have come out over the years or just people shifting attitudes, you know, the internet, you know, for social media, you know, the message coming across and that sort of thing. So I know it's not complete veganism, you know, everyone's gone vegan, but do you think this kind of understanding and this kind of caution when it comes to purchasing animal-based products, do you think it's a step in the right direction, particularly for, uh, the, you know, improving the welfare of animals or at least giving people, like, the understanding that people are finally, you know, some people aren't just going to the supermarket and saying, oh, here's a kilo of rump steak. You know, some yeah. people go to the farmer's markets, you know, meet the farmer directly and they'll talk about the farm and that sort of thing. Like, do you think that's kind of a step in the right direction at least? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think when you're trying to shift attitudes or enlarge people's perception on mass, you know, literally millions of people, you can't do that overnight. You have to change, you know, like it's like, it's like an ideal idea in your head versus a realistic idea. Ideally, you want, you know, any vegan would probably want the whole world to be vegan. But yeah. realistically, 
that's not going to happen due to culture, like your Italian culture, yeah. due to due to poverty and all sorts of, you know, there's all sorts of extraneous reasons why most people can't go vegan quickly. Yeah, I was going to say one point, but, I remember we had a chat about veganism a while ago, and one of the yeah. things you said is you have to be, I guess, I don't, I'm just paraphrasing you here, but yeah. you know, you've got to be privileged to be vegan. So I guess you couldn't go in like the middle yeah. of, you know, you can't go to the highlands of Papua New Guinea and say, hey guys, uh, you can't eat meat anymore, or you can't go to you know, the Maasai tribe in Africa and be like, hey, guys, you can't eat meat anymore. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, veganism is a Western idea. Yeah. And most of the people that I know who are vegan don't have to think about, you know, they have a choice to eat most things. Yeah. So therefore, they can choose also what not to eat. But there are still billions of people in the world who don't even choose when to eat next, let alone what to eat next. Yeah, yeah. So I think... And that's not to say that, you know, like any set of beliefs, there's always positives and negatives. There's always there's always things that are, I think, inherently good about it. Yeah. But there are always things that need critiquing and questioning and evolving and all of that. And that includes the inherent sort of privilege of veganism yeah. amongst a lot of vegans. Yeah. Um, sorry, what was your question before? Oh, so I was just saying, so with the with the advent of uh, farmers markets yeah. and, and, you know, artisan traders, small businesses, yeah. you know, the local butcher or the local baker or, you know, the artisan kind of products, do you think, and, and also people's, you know, people being more critical of where they purchase their meat from or where it comes from or whatever, do you, do you think it's, because especially I, I understand with veganism, a lot of it is, is to do with the welfare of animals. Like you want animals, you don't want animals to suffer, you don't want animals to go through, you know, the torture of being slaughtered. You know, obviously a lot of ethical reasons as to why people go vegan. But do you think at least in a society where, you know, veganism is, there is some sort of mainstream awareness of it, but it's not, yeah. it's not like, it's not the status quo in terms of, yeah. you know, the way we function in society. But do you think at least people being conscious of where they might get their products from, like animal-based products, do you think it is at least a step in the right direction, particularly for, you know, the improvement of welfare of animals? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I was saying before, if you want to change, you know, millions of, and, you know, dare I say billions of people and their habits, whether it comes to food or whatever, you have to do it slowly and incrementally because you have to, you have to, people have to unlearn what they've just taken for granted before they relearn how to do something in a, you know, more ethical way. People don't just replace 20, 30, 40, however, however old they are or however embedded they are within their culture or whatever influences what they eat or what they do. Yeah. People don't just change fundamentally from one day to the next. People, if you want to change people on that deep, meaningful, long-term level, ideally you want to do it overnight, but that's not realistic. That's not, and that just causes frustration. And that's what causes people to go into meat restaurants and yell at people because they yeah. want, they want what they want now. And again, I get, I get that desire, but the frustration from where they are to what, where they want to be or where they want other people to be, they feel that with frustration, which can turn into aggression, which just undoes or takes their, their cause back further. Yeah. So, yeah. Like if people are more scrutinizing about what they eat, where they get it from, if they want to support small growers as opposed to factory farming, whatever, if, if anyone makes a more ethical choice when it comes to food or products or anything that they pay money for, whether it's going from one day vegan uh, not vegan to vegan or whether it's just a slow incremental change through slow education and exposure all of that is good yeah where do you see yeah. veganism in the next 30 40 years 
do you think it'll be more mainstream or do you think it'll be the same like people will still consume meat or or do you think maybe you know uh with the advent of 3d printing maybe like our animal-based products maybe animals won't need to suffer by then maybe you know we'll just generate our own meat or like a 3d printed substitute you know what i mean like what what do you where do you see veganism in terms of you know mainstream society yeah that's a really good question um i think overall yes veganism will you know like you said at the start of uh, you know in the question you asked before in the last 10 years people have returned to or become more aware of more ethical ways of consuming animal products or yeah. farming or whatever. And also, and, think- and also, one thing, one thing I forgot as well. A lot of people are starting to grow their own vegetables again, and yeah. you know, some people, like not vegans, of course, but you know, they're growing. <laughs> they've got their own chickens and they're producing yep. their own eggs. You know, that sort of thing. So that, that yeah. was one, one one thing I forgot to mention as well. Yeah, no, no, that's. I think it's all of that is a bigger part of a general awareness or move back or move forward to more ethical ways of consuming food or having a more ethical lifestyle in the choices they make. Um, But I think, you know, just sort of extrapolating out the last 10 years into the next 30, 40 years, yeah, I think veganism will become more popular. Okay. I think the stigma will lessen, um, you know, mainstreaming is always a good, you know, there's always a resistance against mainstreaming because people want to hold on to it because it's part of their identity. It's like punk music. You know, there's always like purists to say, oh, this is my thing. But, you know, generally more awareness of anything is usually a good thing. It has more of a wider effect. Um, But just on the, like, the technological side of it, yeah, I think 3D-printed meat or lab-grown meat will eliminate or at least severely reduce a lot of the ethical issues with factory farming animals, Mm -hmm. which lessens the impact on the environment, which is cheaper. You know, once the technology is, is cheap and easy... yeah. You're eliminating massive supply chains, which add adds cost and human suffering and all sorts of things. Like it doesn't that doesn't mean it doesn't come with its own set of problems, but I think it will will eliminate or well, you can never truly eliminate a problem, but I think it will severely uh, reduce the amount of problems that the current you know meat based food or meat based supply chains have for sure. Well, as long as I can still enjoy my steak and have my cheese, even though it's three yeah. D printed, I'd be I'd be happy yeah. with that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, if 3D printed meat became readily available in shops next to animal grown meat or animal, you know, like an animal that's been killed, I'd probably eat it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'd want to, I wouldn't just eat it blindly. I'd want to understand it and do a bit of research and think about it. Of course. But so I wouldn't just go, oh, well, it's still meat, so I'm not going to eat it. I'd think about it. You know, it's like, it's like the secondhand leather. It's where am I, where is my money going to? Yeah. Cool. You know, is it going to support an industry that's not reliable, reliant upon animal suffering? Yes. Cool. Well, I'd probably, probably do it. Well, in 30 years' time, man, you can come over and we'll have a steak dinner. Three <laughs> steak. How does that sound? You'll be a purist. You'll be like, sorry. None of this none of this lab-grown stuff. Oh, no, no. I, like I said, I would eat it if, if, if they could mimic or they could basically replicate the smell, the texture, the taste. I'd eat yep. it. I'd be down for that. So you come yeah, over for dinner. The <laughs> interesting thing about... Um, the interesting thing about lab-grown food is that it's not only an ethical, it's as it's a partial solution to a complex ethical problem. Mm. This quandary, um, it's sort of a, it's an economic um, eventuality anyway. Because mm. yeah. meat gets more expensive, to, you know, the the need to farm animals becomes more and more. So more and more land is cleared. There's only so much land. 
we're not going to clear every square meter to farm animals. So eventually it will reach like, um, like critical mass and meat will become so expensive that the working and middle class will be able to afford it less, mm-hmm. so, you know, and if, if, if lab grown meat sort of comes in to fill that gap or that demand, it's sort of a, it's a, it's an inevitability anyway, I think. Okay. Well, there you go. You know, like, and similar to uh, insects being farmed. Oh yeah. There is a, a an increase in uh, insect consumption, especially in yeah. Asia and other countries, other, other well, th- areas of the world. I think a lot of, in, I don't know a lot about it, but as far as I know, a lot of Southeast Asia have been eating insects, you know, normal, not normally, but regularly yeah. for a long time. Mm. But the idea of eating insects is sort of goes against a lot of Western people's preferences, I oh, guess. I'd eat it. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, like yeah. People, but most people on the street in Australia or America or, you know, Europe or whatever, if you say, hey, here, try an insect, most people would probably, you wow. know, at least. You know, they might be curious, but yeah. they wouldn't be like, yeah, cool. Like, they would be less receptive to it, I think. Well, it's not part yeah. of our, it's not normalized in our society. Well, if you can eat a lobster and a crab, that's essentially like a big insect. It looks like yeah. an insect. You can, you can eat a small bug or a grasshopper. Yeah. It might taste like but chicken. I, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but I think lobsters are signs of wealth. You know, most people don't eat lobsters most of the time. So, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. But, yeah, I... To answer, I, I, I ramble a lot, but to answer your question, <laughs> yes, yes is the answer. I think veganism will become more popular cool. through technological need, through yeah. economic need, and just through people making more ethical choices. Very good. Yeah. Cool. Very yeah. nice. Very, uh, yeah. very good. <laughs> so there you go, veganism. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. So, Stephen, I mentioned earlier that you are an avid cyclist, uh, I guess a hobbyist, if you will. Um, yep. So where did your passion for uh, cycling come from? It only developed about three years ago. Oh, around the same years. time you became a vegan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, the poor rubber. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stuff yeah, like. I, used to eat, I used to eat burgers and drive trucks, and now I eat shadows and ride bikes. <laughs> my next step is unicycling because you know, half a tire half a bike is more ethical than a full bike yes and then next will be a brakeless <laughs> unicycle yeah <laughs> you got to stop it with your body somehow yeah yeah, yeah. A, a bike that runs on my own sense of self-satisfaction oh man that's like that's by, yeah my own smugness yeah. it's like, like that south park episode you know you there was the one that came out where they all drive priuses and then yeah. like there's all the like that smog but they call it smug but it, it's yep. not it's not smog from the cars. It's like <laughs> smugs like it's it's from their own egos and stuff because you know they're so yeah. they feel so self entitled because they drive Priuses <laughs> and yep. they call it smug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, they, yeah. Don't they sniff their own farts because they're just so they're so happy with themselves. Yeah. They fart. They go, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, about three years ago, three and a half years ago, um, a few friends and I just decided to start writing like once a month, just doing local, because I just moved to Melbourne and I was still making friends and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, cycling's pretty big here in Melbourne. There's a pretty strong community and a lot of infrastructure. It's easy to be a cyclist in Melbourne. Yeah. To cities. You go down in Beach Road in, uh, I think it's, was it Brighton or something? And there's like a thousand yeah. cyclists on yeah, a well, Sunday. It's ridiculous. From Frankston all the way up to St Kilda, you've got all the, there's actually a term for those people in the cycling community. They're called, <laughs> I think they're called beaches or beach roaders or something, and they tend to be like more sort of the lycra brigade. Yeah, like the like, but they're usually like middle class white men who are who are riding seven thousand dollar road bikes. Oh, as you, you know, know. There's, a, there's a lot of disdain within people 
within the community to, towards those people. But anyway, it's sort of like it's like a classism in the cycling community, which is a bit silly because everyone's on a bike. Everyone, you know, the more people on bikes, the better, I think. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. Now, I, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't understand much about bikes and I'm, I'm sure there's listeners out there who, you know, cycle and they understand like the components and the features and that sort of thing. I guess, to uh, in layman's terms, what yeah. is your perfect bike in terms of features, size, components? Like, what's um, what's your ultimate? What, what's your ultimate? Like, if you had all the money in the world, and even if the bike was like a seven thousand dollar road bike, like the uh, the beaches can afford, or whatever. Like, what <laughs> what what is the perfect bike for you? Um, if I had to, ch- so that I can think of two or three bikes that would be perfect, depending on the type of riding. But if I had to choose one forever, if I was only ever allowed <laughs> one bike, yeah. It would be a Canyon. Uh, Canyon is a German brand. Okay. Um, and they're built to order. Well, they're, they're made to order and they deliver it to you and you have to assemble it from from parts. It's just a frame, rims, all the components, and you have to assemble it yourself. Um, they're not cheap. They start at about three grand. Oh. They go up to like 15 grand for like top of the line. Nice. But they're, they're beautiful bikes and they look really cool. They're, you know, they'll last forever if you look after them. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, for, for my budget and my sort of style of riding, any sort of Italian-made fixed gear, so Bianchi um, or Cervelo, which is a French brand, um, ranging from sort of 500 to 1500 you can get an amazing bike for that, um, you know, and it will last you forever. Cool. So my favorite type of riding is fixed gear because it's simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good for fitness. My leg muscles are huge. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I see them yeah. all the time. Every yeah, time you come yeah, over. Yeah. Clubs, yeah. Which is not really, you know, practical or doesn't serve me very well, but, you know, it's a thing. Are there brakes on the bike? <laughs> no. Well, oh. some. Oh, okay. Cool. So, so I, at the moment, I ride with brakes. Okay. Because um, I've had a few close calls, but a lot of, again, there's, there's always purists and there's always people who take it less seriously. Mm. The purists of the fixed gear scene, especially in Melbourne, will insist that unless you ride with no brakes, um, you're not sort of doing it properly. Yeah. But, you know, that's their take and that's cool. Like, they can do that. I used to do that, but not so much anymore. Yeah. Now I ride a fixed gear with brakes because I'd, I'd rather be I'd rather be less cool and alive than super cool and dead. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's sort of, to me, it's like ride at your own risk. If you're an adult and you want to get out on the road and ride with no brakes, as long as you're not being a dickhead and you're not, you know, uh, running red lights or putting other people in danger, then that's your choice. Yeah. You know, that's I'm not going to judge someone for riding with brakes or without. Fair enough. As long as you're safe, that's the main thing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. And generally speaking, like, I don't care what any what bike anyone rides. Like, to me, the more people on bikes, the better. It's yeah. a fun thing. It's social. It's good exercise. It's a cool way to see the world. You know, it's you can go on short short adventures for a day. Yeah, it's 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 only a positive. It's only been a positive thing for me, cool. and I think for most people who take it up as a hobby, they would say the same. Yeah, Stephen Tilbury, thanks so much for being with me today, man. No problem. Thank it you was, for having me. No worries. I'll see you back in the studio for uh, for Beautiful Basque. Huh? Yeah, I'll see you soon. All right. So, yeah, very interesting conversation, Stephen and I. He's a very uh, very interesting character, lots to say, but uh, very good stuff nonetheless. You can listen to uh, myself and him on But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, also known as Bidwabask, um, on social media at Bidwabask, uh, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C, and you can subscribe to that podcast on Apple Podcasts. 
and other places as well. Be sure for this podcast in Melbourne last week. I don't want to get you too confused. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. I'm on basically any podcast platform you can think of. Thanks again, and this was in Melbourne last week, and I'll see you next week with another special guest. Bye. Bye.